1: Terren Fritchett.
2: Good evening, everyone. Budweiser's weekday sports beat ready to roll on this Wednesday, June the 28th of 2000. And 23, my name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you're having a terrific Wednesday. It is seven minutes after five o'clock. No matter how you're listening to us, maybe 960 a.m., wsbtradio.com, our free WSBT Radio app. or on the Twitch app. We welcome you to the Wednesday installment of our two-hour program here on WSBT Radio. The South Bend Cubs back in action tonight at Beloit pregame 715 first pitch 735 on sports radio 960 wsbt so we have a normal two-hour program tonight in just a second our hat trick of opening topics bedard michigan creates a georgia period and also we'll have a little hoops talk coming up in our hat trick of opening topics also coming up How will the Notre Dame offense be improved over last year, if that is in fact the case? We'll get into that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Also, before 6 o'clock, we have our Twitter question of the day. At 6.05, we'll talk all things Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka. And we should have time for the My 5, which I did not have time for yesterday, the Five NFL teams that are most qualified to be featured on the HBO Fall Training Camp series, Hard Knocks. It looks like the Jets are going to be the team, whether they want it or not. But I'll go through five teams it makes sense to have on that program. And also, we have another installment of our sports wagering segment, We Going to Sizzler. It was another 4-0 night last night, 7-1 for the week. And now for the month of June, a ridiculous 48 22 and 1. 4 0 on Major League Baseball picks last night. We've got four more Major League Baseball selections coming your way at the end of the program here on WSBT Radio. As we get the program started, for you, the Notre Dame football fan that might be interested. In going to a Notre Dame football home game this year, Notre Dame has released some details just a little bit ago. First off, to no one's surprise, Ohio State and USC, those games are already sold out. The Buckeyes come to South Bend September 23rd. The Trojans in town October 14th. So again, USC, Ohio State, those games are sold out. Single-game tickets are available for the other home games, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Pittsburgh, and Wake Forest. Those will go on sale tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So, again, tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, you can purchase your tickets for those home games, Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, Central Michigan, and Tennessee State. You can buy 12 per customer And just go to UND.com for more information on how to get your Notre Dame football tickets. But USC, Ohio State, if you're going to that game without a ticket right now, you may have to get out a couple of checks to take care of the cost of those two games if those two games are as important as we think they are going to be this year. All right, so there's your Notre Dame football ticket update. 5-11 Five eleven at WSBT, and away we go. Three topics in our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. And, oh, by the way, we're now down to, what, 58 days until the Notre Dame football home opener double it against Navy on August the 26th at 2.30 here on WSBT Radio. We'll get to more football later, but right now, our first topic is Notre Dame basketball. Neal Ivy getting set for her third season as Irish women's basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury, year number one in charge of the men's program. Well, today we found out some more information about their schedules. The Big Ten ACC Challenge is gone. ESPN, which holds the rights to ACC games, no longer has any part of the Big Ten package. So... That means no more Big Ten ACC challenges. So in its place, we now have the ACC SEC Challenge. For me as a basketball fan from the Midwest, this doesn't have as much zing to it as the other, but at least we get some late November that could be entertaining games rather than Cupcake City. For the Irishmen's basketball team, they now know on November the 28th, In the ACC-SEC Challenge, they will take on the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Of course, the football team just faced South Carolina in the Gator Bowl, and now the men's basketball programs will meet. These two teams have not met since 1984. The Irish are 10-5 all-time against the Gamecocks. Now South Carolina was not a very good basketball team last year. Their record, 11 and 21. 12th place in the Southeastern Conference with a record of 4 and 14. And they were not a good home squad, just 7 and 8. To make matters worse for South Carolina, with a coaching change, 5 players went into the transfer portal and their leading scorer, GG Jackson to average right around 15 points per game, win in the second round of the NBA draft. Now when you go 11 and 21, maybe it's a good thing. Some players went to the transfer portal. But the fact remains they lost six key players from last year's team that was 11 and 21 and now Lamont Paris takes over as the new head coach of the Gamecocks. He takes over a South Carolina program that Had a very nice win in Lexington over Kentucky last year. 71-68, but the same South Carolina team. Lost to Colorado State, Furman, Davidson, George Washington, East Carolina, and Alabama-Birmingham. Both of these teams lost five players to the transfer portal. And so they will meet up November 28th in the inaugural ACC-SEC Challenge, Notre Dame at South Carolina, November the 28th, the game that you can hear right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. On the women's side in that same challenge, Notre Dame will go to Knoxville to take on the Tennessee Lady Volunteers. That matchup a day after the Irish-Carolina game. That is November the 29th. Notre Dame and Tennessee have played a lot through the years. At one point, Tennessee won the first 20 in the series. Now, Notre Dame is 8-22 against the Volunteers, as Notre Dame has won eight of the last 10. All-time in Knoxville, the Fighting Irish are 3-9. and nine. Now, Tennessee last year, 25-12, and 12, finished in third place in the Southeastern Conference, which, of course, housed two terrific teams, the number one team all year, South Carolina, and the national champion, LSU. Now Tennessee has added three interesting players to the roster, two that Notre Dame is very familiar with from the ACC, Wake Forest 5'10 guard Kelly Harper, two-time All-ACC, joins Tennessee. Also from Pittsburgh, Avery Strickland. Six points and two rebounds for the Panthers. And a three-time all-conference performer from Belmont, Destiny Wells, who in three years with the Belmont Club, I don't know if they're the Lady Bruins or not, but 18 points per game. Hey, Tennessee always has great talent. They've added those three parts. And, of course, when Notre Dame is healthy, they can play with anybody in the country. So November 29th. ACC-SEC Challenge, the Notre Dame women in Knoxville to take on Tennessee and likely a top 25 matchup. Hat trick of opening topic number two for tonight. We go to the ice where Connor Bernard will become, if not already, a household name for Blackhawks fans. He is a 17-year-old forward that many people believe could be the next Sidney Crosby now Crosby had a few more points in juniors than Bedard but both had ridiculous point totals Bedard last year 71 goals 72 assists 143 points I think Crosby's last year he had over 160 points in juniors before becoming the number one pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins there is no doubt Bedard At just 17 years old, he'll be 18 later on this summer, he becomes the centerpiece of the Blackhawks rebuild. It was a great run for the Kane-Taves Blackhawks clubs, winning three Stanley Cup titles, but now the next generation of Blackhawks success centers around the guy that's going to be the number one pick in the NHL draft in less than two hours, Connor Bedard. On yesterday's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Blackhawks play-by-play broadcaster on NBC Sports Chicago, Chris Vosters joined me to discuss this bedard guy who is about to probably turn the Hawks very soon into a cup contender once again. Uh,
3: needless to say, I, I've been diving into a lot of the literature and and there's certainly ample tape on Connor Bedard from the fabulous season that he had in World Juniors with the Regina Pats in in Canada and he also made a splash with the Canadian Junior National Team at at the World Junior Tournament at the start of the calendar year but to boil it down it, it seems like his shot making ability is truly what sets him apart and it's not just a a big, booming slap shot or a a, a twisted wrister, you know, some of the traditional shot-making ability that you see in the sport. But it's his ability to create and shoot the puck from all kinds of different angles. Um, You know, in reading some interviews that he's done, it seems like he patterns a lot of his game off of Austin Matthews. And coupled with uh, what sounds like a, a, a tenacious work ethic, the guy's always shooting pucks in his backyard or, you know, shooting pucks in, in practice, of course, on the ice. Uh, it seems like the guy has got the work ethic paired with uh, some amazing and, and maybe never-before-seen shot-making ability. That is the reason why scouts believe he's certainly one of the best number one draft prospects to come along um, in the last 10 years. You know, he, he might not have the, the size or the Ability of a Connor McDavid, but in, in terms of his shot making ability and his shot production, um, you know, the, the superlatives are, are largely maxed out about this guy.
2: I'm not sure there is anybody on skates that is faster than the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid. He is absolutely spectacular. The cutting, the speed, the acceleration, he plays the game so much different than anyone else. So, I don't think there's anybody in the game of hockey that comes close to McDavid. But Bedard is a very interesting skater. Love what Chris described there as a terrific shot maker. I love those hockey guys that shoot pucks into the dryer or the washing machine that open in the front as youngsters. I don't know... There's been video of Sidney Crosby doing that, but this is a big night for the Hawks. They weren't supposed to get the number one pick. They did not have much of a chance. Magically, they jumped up to number one with all the issues that the Hawks had, which caused Joel Quinville and Stan Bowman to lose their jobs. A controversial situation that Did not look good for the Blackhawks that we don't need to go through once again, but it just feels like the NHL gave the Hawks the ultimate reboot in packaging Connor Bedard to this original six franchise tonight. The NHL draft will start tonight at 7 o'clock on ESPN. I'm projecting from what I understand that there should be or at the very least, could be three players drafted on the second day of the NHL draft. Three incoming freshmen for head coach Jeff Jackson, and there is a lot of promise in this freshman class. You've got Danny Nelson, a forward from Maple Grove, Minnesota. Had a great run with the U.S. developmental program. Had 47 points in 62 games last year. You've got Cole Canuble, an 18-year-old center who played in the USHL, was named the player of the year in the USHL. 30 goals, 36 assists, 66 points in 57 games. And defenseman Paul Fisher coming in from the developmental program also should be drafted on day two. So we will watch for them to be taken tomorrow and all big parts of the Irish hockey team. I'll talk more about these three on tomorrow's program. And our third and final hat trick of opening topics for this Wednesday evening, we go to college football. And the folks up north who wear the winged helmets. Apparently, the Michigan football team has created the Beat Georgia period. Now, back in 2021, Michigan created the Beat Ohio drill. From what I understand, it was a nine-on-seven drill. But anyway, it was a drill which was put together to remind the players that every day is a day to focus on beating that team from the south. And ever since the Beat Ohio drill was installed in Ann Arbor, the Wolverines are 2-0, against the buckeyes fox sports bruce feldman has a report that head coach jim harbaugh is now going with the beat georgia period now the wolverines are 25 and 3 over the last two years but once they got to the playoffs it did not go well 2021 they lost to them dogs from georgia 33 to 11 and then the old Horn frogs from tcu knocked out michigan As an underdog, 51-45. to Now, Feldman, in his story, believes that Harbaugh has his most talented team since he became the head coach of the Wolverines. There were a handful of players that could have gone to the NFL draft that stayed, and they hold leadership positions. So, according to Feldman, if there was ever a year for Michigan and Harbaugh, to win a natty it's this year now of course you always start at the quarterback position they've got J.J. McCarthy the kid that grew up with Notre Dame memorabilia all over his walls last year 65 percent completion percentage 2,719 yards 22 touchdown passes five interceptions he could play his way into NFL first round draft status with another outstanding year They've got a strong defense. McCarthy still has that great running back tandem to hand the football off to Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. So rather than creating a TCU drill, because TCU beat Michigan, and we all know what happened to TCU when they faced Georgia in the title game 65-7 to later, ouch, Mr. Harbaugh now has a beat Ohio drill and a beat Georgia drill. That's a lot of drilling. We'll see if it all pays off for the Wolverines in 2023. And I believe they get the old Buckeyes in Ann Arbor this year as they go for three in a row. That's our hat trick of opening topics. Notre Dame basketball teams, they now have their ACC, SEC challenges set. Connor Bedard to the Hawks with the number one pick tonight. And... Michigan creating the Georgia period. Coming up next, let's talk about the Notre Dame offense for 2023. Will it be improved? What needs to happen for it to improve over last year? One obvious change has taken place. That and more coming up as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, including that opener August 26th against Navy, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Here come the Irish. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Ball caught, touchdown. What a catch on the three-yard line by Jaden Thomas. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Caught on the one-yard
0: line and into the end zone. Tobias Merriweather. First catch of his Notre Dame career goes for a touchdown from 41 yards out.
1: On Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Setting up Estadero over the middle, 25-20. He'll score. 10-5. Touchdown, Notre Dame.
2: It is 5:32. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Here on WSBT Radio, wsbtradio.com and on our free WSBT Radio app also the Twitch app has our program taking place at the current time. Well, everybody has an opinion this time of the year on the Notre Dame football team. Many writers are offering their predictions, broadcasters across the country. I know I've talked about since the end of last year. I've got the Irish at 9-3. and three. I haven't changed so far, but there's still plenty of time to alter that particular projection. And I'm sure there are several things I could list for you that if these things happen, then all of a sudden that record goes well above 9-3. and three. But there's still things that we have to figure out about this year's team. Now, CBS Sports had an interesting piece on parts of football teams that have the best chance to improve this year. And the Notre Dame offense got a couple of paragraphs that they could be one of the most improved units in college football. Let's hope they're absolutely correct. Now, I think all of us that follow Notre Dame football, whether you're a media member or you, the fans out there, there's no question. No one's going to argue the upgrade at the quarterback position gives this football team a massive opportunity to improve over last year's team. It was Tyler Buckner's team out of fall camp that lasted about what a game and three quarters or so got injured against Marshall then it became the Drew Pine offense for the next 10 ball games, And despite the fact that I think Tommy Reese put himself in a tough spot due to his quarterback recruiting, he did, I thought, an admirable job getting the most out of Drew Pine last year. In my personal opinion, he is a marginal starting quarterback. In Division I Power Five football, I think Notre Dame can do better, and they proved that as they brought in Sam Hartman from Wake Forest last year. Pine, I think they got as much out of his talents as they could have. I hope he does extremely well at Arizona State and proves me wrong. I'll be happy to talk about that. But for Notre Dame and what they want to accomplish, get to the playoffs and win a national championship, that guy – And the quarterbacks that they had last year just weren't good enough. But now we can't say that. You have an individual in Sam Hartman that rewrote some of the records for all-time quarterback play in the ACC, did a tremendous job in that Wake Forest mesh offense, but now he comes to South Bend learning a more pro-style offense. And as we found out in the spring, There's going to be challenges even for an accomplished veteran quarterback in changing systems, even the small things, being under center for the first time as a college player outside of taking a knee at Wake Forest, being in a huddle. There's just a lot of things you take for granted that he had to work through. Getting his footwork correct after taking the snap and dropping back in the pocket, getting his eyes down the field, something you can do very quickly in the shotgun, little different as you're dropping back. So it was a learning curve, but hopefully what we saw in the blue goal game is a sign of what's to come as he was highly efficient in that matchup against his teammates back in April. But CBS Sports, again, had Notre Dame's offense being a unit that has a chance to be one of the most improved in the country. And here's what they wrote. First off, the key addition, as we just described, Sam Hartman, the quarterback from Wake Forest. They write, quote, Hartman makes all the difference here. He steps on campus as the most accomplished quarterback to hit South Bend, Indiana, in a really long time. The Fighting Irish have lacked true star power from a signal caller, but now get it in the form of a guy who passed for almost 13,000 yards and accounted for 127 total touchdowns in five seasons at Wake Forest. Can't disagree with anything right there. You know what? Almost unfairly, he is so accomplished that it feels like there's a lot on his shoulders to make this offense better. When, in fact, I think we all know The wide receivers have an enormous amount of talent in that room. There's a high ceiling for many of those guys, but you can't just say they're going to be great. You have to go from unproven to proven, and that's what we're waiting to see on a majority of the players in that room. So Sam needs those guys to be good, but here's also the good thing. Sam can make those individuals better. The tight end position? Going to look a whole lot different without Michael Mayer. You hope the running game is going to be just as good, if not better, than last year. You don't have Logan Diggs to team with Audric Estime anymore with Diggs leaving for LSU. But you have some candidates that give you hope that the production will be there. In the CBS Sports article on the Notre Dame offense possibly being one of the more improved units in the country, second paragraph was this, quote, tight end Michael Mayer is a huge loss after serving as the key cog in Notre Dame's offense the past three years. Though the Irish lack proven options at wide receiver, the offensive line is one of the best in the country. The expectation is that Hartman is good enough to elevate those weapons around him so long as the Hosses up front provide that expected protection. Having a running back like Audric Estime who is primed for a breakout year after rushing for 920 yards and 11 touchdowns last season, is also a plus. That's from CBSSports.com on some of the reasons why Notre Dame's offense could be one of the more improved units in the country this year. I'm not being pessimistic, but I'm learning a lesson from last year. I'm not going to sit here and say that I expect the Notre Dame offensive line to be one of the best in the country as they come out of the gate, as this writer wrote. The only reason I say that, when you look at the unit they had coming back last year, I'll speak for myself, maybe you felt the same way, they were going to be great right out of the gate. Look at all the experience, cohesiveness of that group, and it took them a couple of weeks to find their rhythm, and there were still some inconsistencies throughout the year. Now, you can't argue with the tackles. I'm not sure you would trade any set of tackles with any other tackles in the country with Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. That is a wonderful, wonderful pair of anchors for this offensive line. I think the interior offensive line has to prove itself only because we haven't seen it. I'm not saying they can't do it or won't do it, I think we need to see it before we throw roses at their feet, because last year I learned my lesson, and when I thought they're just going to roll right out of the gate, it took them a little while to get going, and now this year you've got two new offensive guards. Kristofik and Shrouth appear to be the guys that will be the starters, but as outsiders, we're not sure of that as of yet. Inside the Goog, they probably have a really good idea, but Camp, which will start in probably about a month. will tell the tale of what's going to happen with that particular group. And if that group struggles off the bat, it could affect the running game of Notre Dame. Audric Estime, he's the guy that doesn't need a whole lot of room with his power and now looking slimmer. He's got a little more wiggle to him. Exciting to see what he's going to accomplish this year if he's healthy You would have to imagine, even though there's probably a a three-man running back rotation again this year, that he can go over 1,000, 1,100 yards. Can he approach 1,200 yards? It's possible, but again, he might have not as many carries as some other running backs in the country due to a possible three-man rotation. So who's going to be that number two replacing Logan Diggs, who, estimating Diggs, what a great combination, We'll have to see how that plays out. There's a lot of young pups in that running back room that appear to be ready to roll, but we'll see how they do early on in the year, like a Jadarian Price, who I'm really excited to see in a game this year. No Michael Mayer is huge, obviously. We'll see what the tight end production is going to look like this year. And maybe this is something that I take for granted until recently when I've just had some regular discussions about this football team with individuals. But this is, this is something maybe I've just taken for granted it's going to work. But do you have any – I don't know if concerns is the right word. Do you have any thought in the back of your mind, we better hold off on the high expectations of the offense until our new offensive coordinator, Gerard Parker, puts on display what this scheme is going to look like. I think we all assume it's going to look like the Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese offense with tweaking done by Parker to show his personality into this offense. And I think we're all just a little gun shy because the whole Parker at West Virginia and the play calling and who was doing it, it kind of gives you a headache to be quite honest with you. It's not clear cut. So, I don't know if any of us actually have a good feel of the experience for Parker coming into this first season. I know Marcus Freeman has spoken very highly of him, his leadership skills, which is an awfully good sign. So again, we'll just put it into the category until we see it. Let's just put out the caution flag before we truly start jumping for joy about what this offense can do. I I have great expectations for the offense, but I'm also going to be a little cautious and not be absolutely ridiculous in my expectations. We can always adjust expectations, and I think the North Carolina State game will be our first opportunity to see what we we're were right about, what maybe we were correctly cautious about, what we didn't have anything to worry about. Navy, hey, maybe I should say Navy will learn a lot because let's not forget the 12 yards of total offense for Notre Dame against Navy in the second half last year although that quarterback and that offensive coordinator have now departed. But I think Notre Dame will be fine against Navy and Tennessee State, and then we'll probably learn a lot about the Irish in that game against North Carolina State. That just seems like a, a tricky game on the road. Brennan Armstrong comes from Virginia to be the Wolfpack quarterback after a great year two years ago, a dismal year last year. Comes to Raleigh looking to play replace Devin O'Leary who now is the quarterback of the Kentucky Wildcats. But I think it is fair to say the ultimate early season quiz will be the good old Ohio State Buckeyes, who could be a, a very, very good hard-nosed running football team that could be a handful for this Irish football team. I know their quarterback position still a little bit up in the air, although we think we know who's starting I'm sure they'll want to run the football very effectively against the Fighting Irish and put that new defensive line to its test. It sounds like Ryan Day's not going to call the plays or be as heavily involved in the play calling this year. So that could be something to watch early on in the year. But CBS Sports believes there's a good chance the Notre Dame offense could be one of the most improved in the country. We all agree they have an excellent chance of falling into that category with now having a quarterback that truly has the capabilities of being a game-changer. There's nothing wrong with Deshaun Kaiser. There's nothing wrong with Ian Book. Good, good, solid football players. And maybe that's not giving them enough credit by giving them different adjectives. But to me, you talk about Brady Quinn until now, there's not been a lot of spectacular Jimmy Clausen had that one really, really good year, 28 touchdown passes, four interceptions. Now, Hartman has a history of throwing a few more picks than you would like, but the arm talent, the football IQ, the anticipation, it's there, and I'm really excited how he can make this offense look even better. But again, it's going to take that offensive line coming together quickly, finding that Running mate for Audric Estime. The wide receivers take that big leap and let's see what happens at the tight end position. 547 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960. WSBT is being brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. And by Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash SolidGround for details. Twitter question of the day results and a new question comes your way in a moment. 547 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: We are set for the Twitter Question of the Day here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat 552 on this Wednesday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett. Last night on the program I introduced this Twitter question of the day and then posted it on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. It was a playoff the previous day's question, just changing one word. Which of these Las Vegas over-under college football team win totals is most likely to go over? The four choices. Your Fighting Irish of Notre Dame at DraftKings Sportsbooks. Their over-under win total for the year is nine. Ohio State, who comes to South Bend, ten and a half. Another team that will come to Notre Dame Stadium, the USC Trojans, their win total for the year, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, ten. And finally, a team that the Irish will Come visit in Death Valley. The Clemson Tigers, their over-under win total for the year is ten and a half. So which is the most likely to go over that number? We begin with fourth place. And fourth place belongs to Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. They've got to be better on offense. They were not Clemson-like. Last year, they still got Will Shipley at running back. Kate Klubnick takes over as the full-time starter as a sophomore. Is the ACC going to be any good? Well, you've got Clemson, more than likely not reaching that 10 and a half win total. Only 7.4 percent went with the Tigers. Which of these Las Vegas over/under win totals is most likely to go over? Third place in the voting. 11.1% go with the USC Trojans and their over under win total of 10. During our hat trick of opening topics yesterday, I highlighted a six game stretch for USC starting with the Notre Dame game here in town October 14th that's going to be tough for them to get through. 5 and 1, 6 and 0. Oh. The only gimme is California on the road. But Washington, Oregon, Notre Dame, Utah, UCLA in that stretch. Can the Trojans maneuver through that 5-1, 6-0? They're going to have to to reach that 10-win total that DraftKings Sportsbook has for them. Next up, getting only 14.8% of the vote. Second place finish for the Ohio State Buckeyes, whose over-under win total is 105 you lose to Michigan and the Fighting Irish, you're at 10 right there. Maybe that's the way people were thinking, but easily winning the vote. Which of these Las Vegas over under college football team win totals is most likely to go over. And that first place finish belongs to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame with that Nine over-under win total, 66.7% believe that Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish have the best chance of those four to go over their respective win total. That means you're going to have to beat one of those three big boys, Clemson, USC, and Ohio State, and hold serve against everybody else. All right, we appreciate you voting. Today's question, pretty cut and dry. If 2023 featured a 12-team playoff, do you believe Notre Dame would make the playoffs? So we are moving ahead a year in the process. Next year, a 12-team playoff. And if this year had a 12-team playoff, do you believe Notre Dame would be one of the 12? We would love your input. We would love your vote. You've got about 23 hours to head to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Place your vote. Reply to that post if you would like some thoughts on your choice. We will provide the results on tomorrow's program and another question will be ready to go. In fact, I just wrote it a couple of moments ago. It's one of those thinking questions. There's some give and take. That's all I can really give clue-wise. We'll have it for you tomorrow. Okay, 557 Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio. What do we have coming up? A sports update in just a moment. We'll tell you about the Notre Dame basketball teams and their opponents in the upcoming ACC-SEC Challenge. Also, we've got Tyler Horker on the way, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold, illustrated blueandgold.com, 557 at WSBT.
1: Here come the Irish! Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime, he leaps at the one and goes over the strike.
0: Touchdown, Notre Dame!
1: Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it off the middle, bulldozing it to the end zone, and he's in! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Close snap, hands off inside to Estime, ten he'll get there! Touchdown, Notre Dame!
2: Well, probably right around a month from now, my next guest will be writing his first official stories of the 2023 Notre Dame football season with the Irish playing in Week 0. The Irish should start training camp probably in late July. We'll find out soon enough. Tyler is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. So do you have that first question for Marcus Freeman ready to go? You know what? I've got about four (laughs) weeks, like you said, so uh, no, I do not,
4: but uh, I will plug something really quickly. I actually sat down with Jack Swarbrick today, which is Wednesday, obviously, while we're taping this and putting this out on the radio waves, so look for uh, probably five to seven stories at blueandgold.com just from a 30-minute sit-down with the Notre Dame Athletics Director. So, that should be able to hold me over until camp starts, and then I'll uh, you know, shift my attention to Freeman a couple weeks from now.
2: Leaving Notre Dame, Bavakwa, apparel deal, future of Notre Dame football. Gee, there's nothing to talk about with Mr. Swerbrick, <laughs> so I can't wait for those stories. Exactly. You'll, you'll see those very soon at blueandgold.com. Yeah. Let's dig into a little football conversation. Tyler, I was talking earlier in the program about some of the question marks on offense and if this offense can be a lot better than last year's unit. First off, we know the quarterback position is in better hands, so that's an obvious one. But I'm curious what you think. You've got Jared Parker as the play caller, and it's a little still bit of a mystery if he was heavily involved in play calling at West Virginia. Do you feel like he could be the biggest question mark on offense? Is that a fair label?
4: question mark x factor uh fill in the blank whatever you want to call him i think
2: he is
4: that guy because i wrote at blueandgold.com just this week uh the cbs sports report Uh, i thought it was very interesting that they they really keyed in on six schools three offensively three defensively of which programs are going to make the biggest leaps from one year to the next and they said Notre Dame is going to be one of the most improved offenses in college football in 2023. And then you click on the story and basically they could have explained their reasoning and their rationale in two words, one name, Sam Hartman. And I kind of, I wouldn't say fired back against that, but you know, played a little devil's advocate and said, whoa, whoa, whoa now there, there's a lot of moving parts to this Notre Dame offense. And it starts at the top, even above Sam Hartman. And that's, The guy that you bring up here is Jared Parker. Look, this could be the first year of several really, really good ones for Jared Parker. This is the opportunity that quite simply makes or breaks his career. I mean, if he takes this opportunity and runs with it, he's going to be an offensive coordinator for a long time. He might even be a head coach. He's going to be calling plays for however long he wants to in this profession if it doesn't work out and it crashes and burns, and I'm not saying it's it's going to be that way, but anything is possible in college football, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing is a given. Uh, Then, obviously, this could be a detriment to his career. and I mean, he was coaching tight ends at this time last year. He could go back to that, and it might not be at a place as highly thought of and uh, sought after by people in his profession as Notre Dame. So, I think like you said, question mark, X-factor, whatever you want to call him, a lot of what happens for Notre Dame this season offensively is going to come down to the way not only he calls plays, but just the way he oversees the entire operation. This is a huge step up for him. He's no longer rolling out Michael Mayer and saying, hey, man, throw the ball to, to this guy. He's pretty good. He's got to come up with a way for Notre Dame to score points and score more points than teams like Ohio State, teams like USC, Clemson has a five-star quarterback who's going to be a lot more comfortable this year. It's going to be interesting to see the way he navigates that.
2: Yeah, I mean, Parker takes over an offense with no Michael Mayer, who was the number one target by far last year. Logan Diggs, 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call him, he's now at LSU. And I even think back to the start of last year, I thought the offensive line would be dominant from the get-go, and I thought it took them a little time to get going, and there were ups and downs throughout the year. And you look at this offensive line with a new offensive line coach and two new offensive guards, I guess we really can't take anything for granted at this point.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, An offensive line, you kind of look at it in 20% segments, and you think, okay, Joe Alts, 20%, and he's solidified, he's awesome, he might be the best tackle in college football. Blake Fisher is really kind of just – I look at him as a sophomore almost because of all the time that he missed as a freshman two years ago with the knee injury. I think he's going to be really, really good this year. If everyone remembers, Blake Fisher was supposed to be Joe Alt before Joe Alt became Joe Alt. So <laughs> if Blake Fisher is that guy, then there's another 20%. There's 40%. But then you look at the offensive guard spots and you're like, oh, man, there's another 40% that is kind of a huge gap right now. I mean, you're banking on – a sophomore in Billy Strauss, as it stands right now from what we saw in the spring to be another 20% component to that. He's never played a single snap at the college level. Andrew Krasovic has played quite a few of them, Mm -hmm. hundreds of them, but this is a kind of new role for him too. You're asking him to line up and say, okay, play next to Blake Fisher and Joe Alt and be not as good as them, but make sure there's no downfall. And that's kind of a lot of pressure for a guy that's really only played in spot duty for the first four years of his career. So, yeah, I mean, I look at the offensive line as a situation where uh, Sam Hartman struggles with pressure, and if you're going to be able to stunt and blitz your way through the middle of the Notre Dame offensive line, it could be another one of those situations that you alluded to, Darren, where you think just because it's Notre Dame, they're going to be really good along the offensive line right from the start. But I wouldn't be surprised in games against NC State and Central Michigan even if you're sitting there saying – whoa, what the heck, how are these teams putting pressure on Sam Hartman? Well, the blueprint's out there right now. Attack the middle. Don't go. Don't try to blitz your way and, and edge rush your <laughs> way around and Fisher. Go right through the middle of it. And if you can get to Notre Dame's six foot one quarterback who doesn't have the legs of a Caleb Williams or the escapability of a Drake May, then that's how you're going to do it. So I think that's a really interesting part of this season for Notre
2: Dame as well. Blue and gold's Tyler Horkum, I guess, talking Notre Dame football. How would you describe what a successful season is or successful production for the tight end position? It's a bit of a mystery right now. Yeah,
4: I, I think that you've got to ask two or three guys. I don't know if you want to go all the way down to four, but you might have to. You might have to ask four guys to just kind of come up with a similar stat line as Michael Mayer had himself last year and i had all day to look this up but but i didn't but you know the numbers i think he caught somewhere around 70 passes for close to 900 yards and uh you know upward of seven eight nine touchdowns so if you can get kevin bauman to chip in here and mitchell evans there and even eli raritan and holden stays the two sophomores to kind of get around that i mean 50 60 70 catches maybe even upward of a thousand yards and an upward of double-digit touchdown receptions, then you've kind of done your job. Because if you look at it last year, it was Michael Mayer and then nobody. I mean, Mitchell Evans caught, what was it, three passes for 39 yards and a touchdown in Mm -hmm. the Gator Bowl, and Notre Dame needed every bit of that to win that game. Uh, But then the rest of the season, it was you didn't ask any other tight ends to do anything in the passing game because Michael Mayer was able to do it all for you. Now, I do think if you did have like a Tommy Tremble or somebody that could actually come in and give you 20, 25 catches throughout the season, then Mayer probably would have been even better. I think you're looking at a a, definitely a first-round selection in the NFL draft. I think you should have went in the first round anyway. That's another story. But uh, you're looking at a guy that would have had less pressure. So it's definitely going to be by committee this season. And then another thing that they have to figure out with the tight ends is just the run-blocking duties. I think Eli Raritan is probably – the best run blocker but he's coming off his second ACL injury in as many years so you don't know what that does to his physicality and, and things in the trenches like that so you got to find somebody that can, that can really run block because Holden Stays and Kevin Bauman really struggled in that area last year Mitchell Evans was okay but he wasn't a Michael Mayer Michael Mayer was the second best run blocker on this team on the entire Notre Dame offense according to pro football focus right behind Joe Alt and you just heard me talk about Joe Alt so if you're in the same sentence as Joe Alt as a blocker you're doing the right things Michael Mayer was that guy so not only do you have to make up for his absence in the passing game but you got to make up for him as a blocker as well because he was the total package Hmm.
2: let's go to defense what is a bigger concern for you as you project what this Irish defense might look like Notre Dame facing a powerful rushing attack or a big play passing game?
4: Mm, That's a really good question, and I think it's almost dead even. I would probably lean towards wanting to face, if you're Notre Dame, you don't want to face a really potent passing attack because that can put a lot of strain on the back end, obviously, but I just think the personnel that Notre Dame has back there with, a true number one corner in Benjamin Morrison. I think if Cam Hart is healthy, he's going to be really good. The safety position worries me a little bit, but I'm no more worried about it this year than I was last year. I mean, Brandon Joseph was supposed to be all American level, he just wasn't. So if you take that into consideration, as hindsight is 2020, knowing what he was. I think the safety situation is actually pretty similar now as it was compared to last year. And Morrison is a year older. Mickey is a year older. Clarence Lewis is a senior now. You add Thomas Harper from Oklahoma State who can play some nickel for you. Mickey and Lewis can play some nickel for you even as well. So I kind of like what Notre Dame has in the secondary. Now, again, that doesn't mean I would rather Notre Dame face Caleb Williams and (laughs) – or Ohio State and Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka and whatever five-star quarterback is going to be throwing them passes. But if it comes to a situation where like, – like, for example, think of Michigan the last couple of years and the two years that they've made the college football playoff and just the way that they could steamroll opponents by running the ball. I mean, it's the way they beat Ohio State a couple of times. And we all saw that Notre Dame could not beat Ohio State last year. I think Notre Dame would get rolled right now against a team like that. Now, there's a lot of time before the season to kind of sure some things up, but I just don't see the personnel that Notre Dame can run out there and just and just stand up physically. And, and I know that Notre Dame is supposed to be the team, you know, supposed to have the identity to do that. Marcus Freeman is reaching for it right now. but uh, As it stands, just with the personnel that Notre Dame has right now, I mean – Darren, would you want to go in and face Michigan when it's running its best and running its way right into the college football playoff? I know I wouldn't.
2: I know Ohio State's been all about throwing the football, but those two running backs scare the daylights out of me coming up in September at Notre Dame Stadium. Talking Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold Illustrated, Fighting Irish Beat reporter Tyler Horka here on WSBT Radio, pro football focus. I think both of us use them a lot during the season. Great job of breaking down the game analytically and passing along some good stats on the Irish and other college football teams. Preseason ranking for Notre Dame by Pro Football Focus number 11. Fair ranking.
4: I think it is. And if I were a Notre Dame fan, I'd actually take it because I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some of the actual pollsters, the uh, the coaches and uh the media like myself who Vote in the polls. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're closer to the 15 um, spot in those rankings. So to be number 11, to be just outside the top 10, I, I think that's like the perfect place to be um, for any team in any poll because if you lose a game early, well, they'll just slide you down and you'll still be ranked somewhere in the 20s and you have every opportunity to stay in the rankings. But if you win and Notre Dame wins, against Ohio State on December 23rd, then all of a sudden you're knocking on not just top 10 territory, but top five territory. And just in terms of the question of is it fair? Uh, yeah, I kind of think that's where Notre Dame is living right now. You look at last year's polls. I think they finished 18th in the Associated Press poll at the end of the year with a 9-4 and record. And if you think Sam Hartman is good for a couple more wins, I mean, if, if Notre, I, I wrote up this at com this week as well if Notre Dame has Sam Hartman on last year's team and, and everything else is equal, the team is the exact same. I think Notre Dame beats Marshall. I think Notre Dame beats Stanford. Notre mm-hmm. Dame goes 10 and two, yep. and then possibly wins a bowl game and, and maybe wins 11 games. So that's just what he does for you as a quarterback. Now, of course, some other things have changed going into 2023, as opposed to 2022, you don't have Logan Diggs anymore. You don't have Isaiah Foskey. You don't have Michael Mayer. So this is a different team. But if you just add Hartman into the mix, then yeah, absolutely. I think they're a top 15 team and we'll see if Hartman can do the rest and and make them a top 10 team to where, because if you're a top 10 team, you're beating some Ohio States and Clemson's and USC's. You probably go two and one in those games as opposed to one and two, like they did last year. So we'll, we'll see if Hartman makes that difference.
2: Here are my three big surprises from that pro football focus preseason top 25. Alabama two, based on the fact Tyler Buckner could be their starting quarterback. We know the talent throughout that program, but still a lot of question marks if he's the guy or if the other two are the quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that's a major question mark for a team to be number two in the country. Your Longhorns at five surprised me a little bit, and Phil Djokovic's <laughs> Panthers course. of Pittsburgh at number 25. Those were the three shockers yeah. for me.
4: Yeah, I mean, we've looked at this Notre Dame schedule up and down and sideways for months now because it's all we can do. And thank God there's less than two months remaining until the season starts. So we can actually start thinking of these games uh, on the football field as opposed to on paper or through a screen. But never when I was looking at the schedule did I think, oh yeah, Pittsburgh, that's going to be a ranked game for Notre Dame late in the year. So I think that one definitely surprised me. And then, I mean, Darren, let me just say this really quickly. I hate when outlets like this throw Texas in the top (laughs) five. And I know EFF is doing it purely on analytics and what Texas has and and all the talent and whatnot. So you try to get optimistic. But, I mean, you look at the last 15 years of this program and you're like, Texas is not a top five team. What are we doing here? So are things going to be different this year? I don't know. We'll see. That'll probably be answered in week two when they face Alabama, like you said. And if Alabama really is the second best team in the country, then a lot of answers for both of those programs will come um, on September, whatever it is. Weekend of, I think it's the weekend of my birthday. It might yeah. be on my birthday. I'm not sure.
2: Quinn, yours versus Tyler Buckner. Get your popcorn ready, right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone, everyone had that uh, matchup a
2: couple of years ago, right? I mean, how many minutes into the game will Saban be screaming at Reese? That's what I'm really curious about. (laughs) Instead of Reese yelling at Pine, Reese is going to get it on the other end, uh, I have a feeling, a few times this year. Hey, finally, just really quick, I know the Irish women's basketball team, we know they're going to play Tennessee in the ACC-SEC Challenge. They're playing South Carolina in France. And we also know, when healthy, they are capable of playing with anybody in the country based Mm -hmm. on the team they have put together now we have not seen the new parts and olivia miles healthy so uh, we're a bit in the dark here but do you think there's a good chance notre dame will be better this year than last year and i'm basing last year on when they were healthy
4: yeah i think they're going to be right about the same because it comes down to the post play and if you look at it notre dame is probably actually a little worse in the post right now than they were this time last year i mean. Lauren Ebo was so good out of the transfer portal from Texas. Uh, She's the reason why Notre Dame made it out of the first weekend of the tournament. Um, Again, they weren't fully healthy at that time, missing two starting guards, but uh, Kylie Watson is going to have to take on such a huge role in the post for Notre Dame this year. She was really nothing more than a role player, even though she started pretty much every game last year. So there's a lot on her shoulders. And then the only way that Neil Ivey and company bolstered the, talent in the post was by bringing in uh, a girl from Pepperdine and TCU, Becky Obinma, who has really only averaged about a handful of points and a handful of rebounds per game in her career, so the post is going to be taxed, but every year that you give Olivia Miles and Sonia Citrone, and then you just added three five-star players, I know one of them played uh, half the season last year in Cass Prosper, but I mean, you keep adding a collection of five stars like that, your team is going to get better and better, so If by the time those girls are done here or, you know, in their senior years, junior years, and the Ivy finally find that dominant post player, then boom, instantly Final Four potential, maybe even competing for a national championship. I mean, this team is knocking on the door.
2: I'd like to see them be a little more efficient from the three-point line this year. That could make a big difference as well. Look, well, at Emma,
4: look at Emma Risch, who just came in this summer. Man. She instantly is this team's best three-point shooter. I think she's going to shoot the lights out this year.
2: All right, he's Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. You teased us at the start of the interview that you'll have a series yeah. of stories coming up with Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. Tell us other things you wanted to let the folks know about what's coming up at blueandgold.com.
4: Yeah, I actually spent all afternoon writing about one of the things I asked Swarbrick about, which was obviously the apparel deal that Notre Dame is going to have finalized. He told me probably in the next month. So there's a little teaser for you there. Uh, A lot of really good background on what he was looking for and what he was talking to with all of these apparel companies. Uh, That's just the first, that's the tip of the iceberg in my conversation with him. So definitely look for that. And then, I mean, just the way that we've covered, basketball news that came out today with the schedule and recruiting on the basketball front Um, I think that even in the dog days of June we're covering Notre Dame athletics like nobody else and then I mean, this Swarbrick interview, I think it's going to blow a lot of people away on a lot of fronts, so I can't wait to start rolling out that
2: content. That's quite a tease, and he is Tyler Horka. You can check him out at blueandgold.com, and you can also listen to him each Wednesday at 6.05. Joining me here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat during the offseason. Appreciate your time, as always. We'll talk to you again soon.
4: All right, the next time I talk to you, it'll be July. It's getting closer, Darren.
2: It is getting here slowly but surely. Can't wait. Tyler, thank you much. All right, see you, Dan. You betcha. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Hope you enjoyed that Fighting Irish conversation. Wet your whistle a little more as we get set for that first game, August 26th over in Dublin. The Irish and the United States Naval Academy, 2.30 kickoff. Here on WSBT Radio, kickoff 7.30 p.m. over in Dublin. 628 on your Home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: And now it is time for that my five. Darren Pritchett with you on this Wednesday evening. It appears the New York Jets will be forced to be the team featured in HBO's training camp series Hard Knocks. Last year, a very enjoyable camp following the Detroit Lions. So even though the Jets might be forced to be the team, the My Five is this. Who would be the top five candidates to be this year's featured team? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. At number five... I've got the Cincinnati Bengals. First off, a team that has been on the rise the last couple of years, making the Super Bowl two years ago, losing to the Rams. Great season last year. Got knocked off by the Bengals in the AFC title game. You got Joe Burrow. You got Jamar Chase, who I think loves to talk to the media. Did that Patrick who to the media the other day in regards to Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. You got T. Higgins. So there's... Some good, exciting players on that Bengals football team. Plus, they should be really, really an outstanding team again. Four. Another team that would be a candidate for hard knocks in my book, I think the Chicago Bears. The Bears right now retooling that roster with Ryan Poles as the GM, Matt Eberflus as the head coach. You know, those aren't the greatest personalities. You're not going to get a Buddy Ryan Massive quote coming out of Eberflus. But I think there's just fascination with the Bears turning over their roster. You've got Justin Fields, third-year starting quarterback, trying to evolve from a guy that ran a little early at times and also a guy that wasn't protected very well by his offensive line. I think Chase Claypool would probably eat up that exposure. It'd be cool to see Cole Komet out there. He probably would be pretty funny with a mic on. DJ Moore, first year with the Panthers. I'm kind of intrigued by the Bears. I think they would be a fun team.
1: Okay, okay. Uh,
2: Number three. At number three, I've got, well, my team, the Denver Broncos. It has been a miserable few years since winning Super Bowl 50 with Peyton Manning. They have not made the postseason, nor have they been a factor in the NFL since. But now... Finally, Hope, Sean Payton comes out of, I wouldn't call it retirement, taking some time away, and now is the new head coach of the Broncos. And his first task, can he turn around quarterback Russell Wilson? It did not work last year with head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett wanted him to do things that were not his strength, and Wilson did not look good. He's in better shape. And I think Sean Payton is the guy that can get the most out of Russell Wilson. And you know what? Payton's going to have the ability to say if Wilson's not fixable, they can move on from him. There's going to be some dead cap money to deal with. But if anybody can get Wilson back on track, I think it's Sean Payton. Plus, you got Mike McGlinch. You remember how good Mike was at Notre Dame talking to the media? He was fantastic. Put a mic on him during fall camp. You might have to hit a couple of Beeps, well, more than a couple, but Mike would be fantastic. Number two. The team that's probably going to be get forced to be that hard knocks team, it's the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers. Do we get the insight to Aaron Rodgers? Do we get to be with him in a dark room as he goes through his thought process or complaining or whining? Whatever the case may be, it would be good. Sauce Gardner talking it up, trash talking at corner. That would be good. And Robert Sala, the head coach, entertaining guy, a lot of pressure on him to win this year. Jets would be a fun team to have on hard knocks, and they might have to be that team this year. Number one. And you know what? Winning is fun. Being the best is the best. And with some of the personalities on the Kansas City Chiefs, they'd be a pretty doggone good choice. I mean, Travis Kelsey will say anything. Remember at the White House celebration recently, Patrick Mahomes pushed him away from the microphone very wisely before an international incident was caused. But Kelsey's great. Mahomes is well-spoken. You get to see some of his wild throws in practice. Andy Reid, soft-spoken but fun. I'm just imagining going out to a restaurant or food being brought into the building. And Andy, I know he loves cheeseburgers. That would be probably a focal point. But learn more about the Chiefs offense and how they just get it done year after year with one of, if not the best quarterback in the National Football League, Patrick Mahomes. So my five best candidates for hard knocks this year, the Cincinnati Bengals, Chicago Bears, Denver Broncos, New York Jets, and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's our My 5 question for this Wednesday. 4-0 on Sizzler last night. The great run continues. It's been so good, I think you should probably just fade my picks tonight. It's going to bottom out at some point. But let's go with it. Four more suggestions coming up as we try to finish June strong. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat with Sports Wagering Talk next on WSBT.